You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Another day living in grace, absolutely. North Carolina, Maine, Miami, awesome. Germany, wow. Minnesota, Alabama, awesome. Give him the praise and glory, absolutely. But I will say, God has given us the glory as well. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 17, 22, the same glory you have given me, I have given to them. Who was obsessed with giving God all the glory? The Pharisees, because they thought that it was um, humble. Give God all the glory. We hear that today. This is in no way says God is not giving, we are not giving God glory, but we have to understand God has given us the glory. God already had all the glory. He's God. So we don't need to be obsessed with giving God all the glory. If you really want to give God glory, understand the glory he gave you. The same glory that he has given to Jesus, he's given to you. If that rubs you wrong, you might not understand what has happened to you. Christian, I'm not talking about what's happened for you. We all know you've been forgiven, but you have a glorious identity and we're getting off track here, but I want to talk about this for a second because I keep switching hands here because my arm's getting tired. So many times I'll post something or say something and somebody will say, all glory to God. Relax. I'm not saying we're not giving God glory, but I'm saying God gave you the glory. He made you a brand new creation the instant you believed in Jesus for salvation. You have that same glory. You. Yeah. That's what you're going to have to deal with. You've got the glory of God in you and you are glorious. So give God all the glory. Absolutely. But if you really want to give God the glory, understand he's given you the glory. That's not something I'm making up. Jesus said it in the real Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter, excuse me, John chapter 17. Now, that's a, that's another good live I could do. I like that. I like that. I'm going to I'm going to write that down. I make a lot of notes. So, uh let, let's get to the to the topic at hand today. I do like to do these walks if you're just now joining my ministry. Uh, just following my account. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I have written seven books. All of my books are available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. And my ministry is centered around Jesus. If we can recenter our ministries on Jesus, our lives on Jesus, our identity in Christ, everything improves eventually, eventually. And even when you're going through seasons of growth, you understand you lack nothing. God's not mad at you. He's not getting you back. And we can always thank Jesus for that. So let's talk about um, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 has been used as a um, bar of soap for Christians. They think they got to wake up every day and, well, I'm going to confess my sins. God, I messed up this way. I messed up this way. I'm sorry. Ooh, let's get under here, under this pit. 
and they're confessing sins, thinking that God's repeatedly forgiving them. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Pardon me if I'm switching hands a lot today. In case you're wondering, I did a, and this sounds a little, oh, I don't know. I did a hard workout yesterday with my arms <laughs> and they're tired, but so I'm going to be switching hands a lot today. So hopefully you're just listening to the audio, but first John one nine is not a bar of soap for Christians before the cross. The Jews were never forgiven through confession. Not one time, not one time. How were they forgiven? They were forgiven by blood. Hebrews chapter 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But we don't understand that as Christians today. We think that we got to repent in our actions and attitudes to be forgiven. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness. People will use that passage. That's referring to unbelief. Repentance of unbelief is what saves you because you're believing in the blood of Jesus. You're repenting from not believing in what Jesus has done at the cross to believing. So you're accessing what he did by blood through repenting of unbelief. Repenting of sinful actions and attitudes is always healthy. It is a continual maturation process, but you're not repeatedly repenting to, to receive repeated forgiveness. Um, Jesus is not getting up and down on a cross in heaven every single time you mess up and then change your actions and attitudes. It's finished. So confession is the same way. Confess simply means to agree with. So when we confess through faith, it doesn't even have to be through our mouth. And you might have a Bible verse pop, pop up in your head from uh, the book of Romans about confessing that Jesus is Lord. Some people don't have a mouth. Some people don't have a voice box. Some people don't have a tongue. It is the confession of belief in your heart. That passage, you got to remember in Romans, they were used to saying Caesar is Lord. So we needed to confess that Jesus is Lord in order to be saved. So 1 John 1, 9, the passage that is used so often to say God requires you to repeatedly confess to be repeated forgiven. That's error. Now, let's get some context on the book of 1 John. And I'm going to slow my walk here a little bit because I breathe a little bit heavier. I've been studying these lives that I'm doing. I'm a student, so I study everything, including what I do. So I rewatched these. First thing I needed to do was stop chewing gum. I stopped that. Then I needed to be weary of the wind. I'm trying to pay attention to that and move my phone when I can. But sometimes I'm out here to get exercise. So sometimes I pick up the pace and I know I get out of breath. So I'm going to slow down. But 1 John 1 is a letter written by John as an old man to a young group of Christians. That's why he calls them little children. He had established this body of believers. It's not a church. It's a body of believers. And it is a church, but it's not a church building. 
Church is simply a group of believers. We have turned it into a building. I got to go to church. You're the church. Different subject. But this body of believers, he had established the truth of Jesus. And then he took off. Afterwards. After he had left, a group infiltrated this body of believers called the Gnostics. This book is a contrast of nature. Gnostics, Christians, okay? Those who have darkness in them, unbelievers. Those who have light. Those who know the truth. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the truth. Those who do not know the truth. Those who have the word in them. The word's not the Bible. The word is Jesus. John chapter one, he said that as well in his gospel. Those who have the word in, in them. Those who do not have the word in them. So he starts out this letter by saying, we have seen and touched Jesus. The first chapter of 1 John is an invitation for unbelievers to believe. And it also exposes what the Gnostics believed. What did the Gnostics believe? The Gnostics believed Jesus was not flesh. He was more or less a hologram. That's why John starts out by saying, we touched him. You know, in his gospel, he laid his head on Jesus' chest. Um, Jesus came in the flesh is his point. So there's the first Gnostic um, rebuttal. Jesus came in the flesh. We touched him. What else did the Gnostics believe? They believed sin was not real. Sin is not a real thing. What is the number one thing you have to admit in order to be saved? I'm a sinner. I need help. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. But the Gnostics were saying Jesus was not in the flesh because they thought there was something wrong with the human flesh. There's nothing wrong with the flesh. I'm talking about our body. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm not talking about Sarks. Different day, different, different topic. But Paul tells the Thessalonians that your spirit, soul, and body are holy. So there's nothing wrong with your flesh. Your flesh is but an instrument. It is a tool so you can live out your brief life in time, space, and matter. But they didn't think that the flesh was good. They didn't think sin was a real thing. So John says, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And what does he say after that? The truth is not in you. We have the truth in us. Jesus. In the very next passage, that was 1 John 1, 8. And then 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All means all. This is not a repeated confession to be repeatedly forgiven. John knew that there was no forgive it, forgiveness by asking. He was a Jew. 
He went to the temple once a year to get his forgiveness. Making sense now? And then the next passage, 1 John 1 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And I want to, are Christians doing that? No, we believe what Jesus is saying. We know we've sinned. That's what we confessed. We admit it already. And when John uses the word we, he's not saying us Christians and you. This is a kind way of saying you. This is the same way if there was a little child who keeps being bad and you walk up to him and you say, we don't do that, do we? No, we don't. We behave. It's a soft way of saying you. He's not talking about Christians. Christians don't repeatedly confess to be repeated forgiveness, to receive repeated forgiveness. We are forgiven and cleansed once and for all time. It's not both. I seen a TikTok the other day. This guy had a really, really well-produced TikTok and he talked about 1 John 1, 9 and he said, which is it? Do we have to believe that it's our past, present, and future sins or do we have to repeatedly confess? His answer was, yes, both. It's not, it's not both. It's once by one offering, you have been perfectly cleansed forever and forgiven. Hebrews chapter 10. So, 1 John 1, 9 is not a bar of soap for you, friend. And my app is going to start talking here in a second. So when she does, my walking app, running app, I'm going to pause. But this is about the spot where she, she jumps in and interrupts me. But 1 John 1, 9 is an invitation. It is also a description of what must happen in order for you to be forgiven. Then if you go to the very next chapter, he then addresses the church. He then addresses Christians. And he says in the very next chapter, but if anyone does sin, you have an advocate. You know, and we, some people try to mash that together. Yeah, man, we have an advocate. So we got to keep confessing through that advocate. That's not what he's saying. Time, 19 minutes, 8 seconds. Total distance, 1.0 miles. Average pace, 19 Morning. minutes, 7 seconds per mile. Split pace, 19 on, minutes, on, 7 seconds per mile. All right, so let's just get to the brass tacks of all this. If repeated confession repeatedly forgave, forgave you, what about the sins you forget to confess? That's pretty scary. You know, I've said that to many people over the years and they've said, well, if I forget, God forgets. <laughs> no, you're not forgiven based on your memory or God's memory. And I don't mean to laugh. I know that's disrespectful, but it's funny. God doesn't forget anything. Even when he chooses to not remember our sins, that's a choice. He doesn't forget. He's freaking God. Or the ones we don't confess are not the deliberate sins. Come on. Every sin is deliberate. 
Every sin is deliberate. They want to use Hebrews 10.26 to back up their claim, but Hebrews 10.26 is not referring to repeated confession. It's referring to receiving forgiveness by way of animal blood sacrifices at the temple, which is what the Hebrew people were doing. It's not directed at Christians. Um, and let's just do this. If you think you have to confess all of your sins, how are you keeping track of them? Are you writing them down? Do you have a really good memory? What about the sins? You know our sins, but you're like, ooh, I'm just going to ignore that one. And it just kind of floats off into the rear view mirror of your life, never to be seen or talked about again. Or maybe, maybe you incorrectly justify one of your sins. We all do that. Well, they did this, so I'm going to do that. Or this and that. We do that. We're human. That's still a sin. I know this is hard for a lot of people to hear, but you do not have to confess your sins. You don't. To be forgiven, to be repeatedly forgiven. It's healthy. It's always healthy to confess your sins, but you are not repeatedly confessing your sins to be repeatedly forgiven. I make mistakes. I have friends and family who I will reach out to and talk about that, but I'm, I'm not doing that to be repeatedly forgiven. I know that the blood of Jesus worked by one offering. We've been forgiven once for all time, past, present, and future. Yes, even future sins. All of your sins were in the future when Jesus died for them. What makes you think that you're doing something now that he didn't cover back then? <laughs> All of your sins are in the future. Why not do this? Let's do, if you think that confession, repeated confession repeatedly forgives you. I'll, before I say this, because I want to button up with that. But I want to say this. Some people think they have to repeatedly confess to a priest. The human priests are obsolete, friends. There is no more priests. Christ was the final priest. We're all members of a royal priesthood because of Christ. And what did that priest do before the cross? Nobody confessed to the priest. Never. There was no confession done at the temple. The animal was slaughtered. The priest offered it up in the Holy of Holies. And that was it. You're forgiven until next year. Yet we want to twist some things to give human priests some kind of authority to forgive us if there's anything that spits on the cross in my opinion that's up there christ was the final priest talk to him about it but you don't need to confess to him because he's going to say what's in i already forgave you let's talk about why you were doing that immature action or attitude and let's grow not oh you confessed it a little bit more forgiveness for you. It doesn't work like that. Hebrews chapter 1 says, He has sat down. He sat down. The priests from the tribe of Levi, the Levitical priests, they never sat down. They never sat down. Chairs were obsolete in the temple. Why? Because their work wasn't done. 
Christ's work is done. He sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 10. We have to make more of Jesus. We have to make a bigger deal out of his blood. We have to get rid of the notion that some human can possibly forgive us with God. Come on, people. Matter of fact, those priests from the tribe of Levi, they offered sacrifices for their own sins. Yet we want to get in a pine box with a man on the other side of this quarter-inch wall and say stuff to him and walk out thinking that we have been forgiven? This is mind-blowing to me. It's mind-blowing. Oh, I'm going to try to control what I say right here and get back on track. But... <laughs> Ooh. All right. So, First John 1, 9 is addressed to Gnostics. It is... And I also want to say one other thing. I know I'm going over today. I'm sorry, guys. But normally this is 10 to 15 minutes long. Might even make this 20 minutes. First John 1, 9 is a descriptive book. It's not a prescriptive book. When you read something in 1 John, he is describing an unbeliever and a believer. Yet we want to look at many passages in the book of 1 John and say, see, you continue to sin. We all continue to sin. We're human beings. The goal of the Christian life is not to not sin. It is to be saved, receive the life of Christ, and then grow with him while expressing him. We don't focus on, oh, I'm going to wake up today and do my best not to sin. No. That's what the Pharisees were focused on. And they got mad at everybody who didn't sin or everybody who sinned or didn't sin like them. Oh, I don't know what's in me today, but talk about legalistic people and just stuff that belittles what Jesus has done. It rubs me wrong and I'm getting better. I don't get triggered as easy and I don't react as often. I try to just respond. And sometimes the best thing you could possibly do is, is not respond. But first John 1, 9. If you want to say that confession repeatedly forgives you, let's do this. Do a blanket confession. Do a blanket confession. God, I confess all my sins for my entire life from here on out. I confess them to you, Jesus. I trust you. I know you can forgive me, and I'm believing that. Let yourself off the hook. Let yourself off the hook. The cross was a huge success. What Jesus did was enough. His blood is more than capable to forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Receive that goodness and then live it out. There's a bunch of you out there who have already received it, but you're not expressing it. You're not enjoying it. You think that God is grading you every day. He's not. 
God loves you. He wants you to rest. You don't have to do anything for him. You do not have to do anything for him. I'll say it again. You don't have to do anything for God. That's what you have to deal with. And it is from this freedom that you will do stuff. That stuff that you're doing is not achieving anything. It's not sustaining anything. It's not repeatedly forgiving you. Um, so, so I've gone over here, gone over here today. I hope this has encouraged you. I always want to talk about the hot topic issues because perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. God's love for you is perfect. He's not going to punish you. What do you think happened to Jesus? He was punished. So if we're imagining fear, we're thinking I'm going to get punished. And then we're thinking about what we have to do to not be punished. And then it's all uphill from there, not downhill. It's uphill. <laughs> Admit today that Jesus has forgiven you once and for all time. You, you could have been saved for 50 years by now, but today could be the day that you're like, well, that makes sense. Admit it today and enjoy your complete forgiveness, friend. So I hope that's encouraged you today. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're blameless. You're completely forgiven. Forever. So you're going to have to figure out a different reason to, to repent. You're going to have to figure out a different reason to confess. And it is to enjoy who you truly are. So I'm going to pick up the speed here. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate your encouragement and your support. Um, always means a lot to me. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.